When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi everyone, welcome to a brand new series of Soap from the Box. It's series two. Firstly, thank you for listening to series one. It's been amazing how much you've all loved it. I've been loving recording series two. It's really helped me through lockdown. It's amazing to catch up with these people. They are stars from Emmerdale, Coronation Street, EastEnders, Hollyoaks, and this year, Home and Away and Neighbours added to the list. I will be giving you, like last series, behind the scenes stories and the real life dramas of some of our most loved TV actors and there are two episodes coming for you every single Sunday and what a legend I have to start with. Okay so my first guest on the second series is my first official national treasure. For eight years she was Sheila Grant in Brookside, we loved and laughed at Barbara Royal in the Royal Family, 11 years she played Grace Foley in Waking the Dead Miss Dinker in Downton Abbey, and of course, Gloria Price in Coronation Street. Welcome, Sue Johnson, OBE. Hi, Sue. Hello. Hi, Lee. How are you? I'm very good. A bit stir-crazy like the rest of the country, but okay. Okay, getting on with it. I know, because the nicest thing about this series last year was I got to, you know, catch up with everyone in person. So this year it's become a Zoom thing, which is so tiresome, isn't it? Oh, yes, Zoom, although in lots of ways, um, you know, being able to Zoom friends and see, you know, I've, I Zoomed um, with Alison Stedman last Friday night and it, we had a gin and tonic and a big old chat and it's just being able to see your friends' faces, um, you know, when you've missed them so much. That's, I know, um, it is, at least it's a saving grace. Like you say that Alison yeah. Stedman, actually, I've always thought, is Alison Stedman your kind of your arch you know, do you are you the kind of ones that would go to auditions for the same parts <laughs> same part yes <laughs> i thought you would be yeah yeah because i always think oh ali's got that part damn it <laughs> no, you got that part yeah because we we're both from lower around liverpool and uh yeah but i'm older than ali um but more or less yes uh i think she's had more uh, more illustrious career than I have because I, I, I can remember watching her when she did Mike Lee stuff you know and oh, of course, yeah just like yeah and just thinking she was the best thing ever so I've always been her admirer <laughs> and so um that we've eventually worked together and then become great friends is rather wonderful I know I love that about this industry actually when I was younger I used to really fancy Glynis Barber from Dempsey and Makepeace. And now I'm friends though. I still, you can't, you can't, I don't put the two and two together really. It's quite mad, isn't it? When you <laughs> friends with somebody you've admired. But um, I always start with a memorable moment. And actually, I don't think I've ever told you this, but in t- so it's now 22 years ago, 1999. It was the first ever British soap awards. And I looked after, I was a runner then. It was, I think it was my first running job. And I looked after you and Caroline Hearn. You were presenting an award. Oh, 
gosh, I can't yeah. even remember. Yeah, I remember we sat in the green room. I remember, well, we all had such a laugh. But it, yeah, it was, I mean, I was, the royal family, obviously, 1999, that was kind of mid the massiveness of the royal family, wasn't it? So Yes, absolutely, yes. Yeah, so we're getting oh, that God. round circle now. I'm talking to you and we've obviously worked together with friends. It's quite mad, really. It is mad, but lovely, isn't it? Don't you it think? Is, yes, it is lovely. I love, I mean, it's such a small industry in that in those terms, actually. Yes. But, yes. Um, so we'll start with the idea of the podcast is we spend a bit of time talking about the soap. I mean, and there's so much I've had to, I've done the most notes for you for anyone I've ever done. Um, and I'm having to really carefully select because you've done so much. But we'll start talking about Corrie. And actually, I didn't realise that Corrie, now I may be wrong in the actual fact, but it was your first actual debut, acting debut in 1982, playing a minor reoccurring character. It wasn't my acting debut because I'd been doing theatre for 20 years. I'm fine. Um, so your television. <laughs> my TV debut. I'd never done TV. And my mother was always saying, why don't you get a job on Corrie? Why don't you get a proper job? She didn't get the theatre. <laughs> why don't you get a proper job on Corrie? Anyway, I, I, when I made a firm decision that I because I was a single parent and I had a little, my little boy, and I thought, I can't keep doing theatre. Well, I didn't know how to earn a living <laughs> when he started school sort of thing, to be around for him. So I thought, well, I'll try and get some telly. So I got an agent. I was doing theatre, all the reps, Manchester and everywhere. And while I was at, in rep at, in Manchester at the, um, at the library theatre, uh, I, I managed to get an agent, and she got me three episodes on Corrie. Um, and that, of course, made my mother's day. I'm sure, yeah. <laughs> I never did. Uh, and, uh, yeah, and so I, di I did three episodes. And while I was doing those three, they were spread out. And um, while I was doing them, I got an audition for Brookside and got Brookside. And years later, the casting director said, I met her and she said, we were, go we were going to make you into a, we were going to ask you to stay on. Oh, really? Um, yeah, she said, and then you got Brookside. And so it was funny because I think how different my life would have been. I know, if yeah. If and Brookie hadn't come along. So it's weird how your life, well, you, you have to, it, it almost makes you think that your life's ruled by your work, but I suppose in some ways it is. Yeah, I mean, I do, I've always think everything happens for a reason. You know, I'm sure that we're guided yes. somewhere up there, you know, to, to, to how things happen. But, I mean, what a great agent to get an agent and firstly get you going and then straight into Brookside. Oh, and then straight into an interview for Brookside. And all we knew was it was going to be a new so, uh, soap. That's which, all we knew. Which we will get back to. And the, so the character you played was Mrs Chadwick, I've got, the wife of a bookmaker. That's right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> She was the local bookie's wife. Was the bookie, uh, was the bookie a character or no, just the wife? I don't, I can't remember now, but I know that he'd been in, uh, he'd given Annie Walker a lift and she'd left her keys in the back of his car. So <laughs> I thought she was having an affair with him. Oh, right, um, okay. So, so I took the keys and into the um, Rovers and I, I, there was, you know, Doris Speed. And there was, I was going to say, what was it like to come across? Because obviously, oh. Corrie, I mean, firstly, your mum must be over the moon because anyone who is northern and goes into Corrie, their family, their family kind of you've made their lives. But I mean, it, those those characters and actresses are just so kind of cemented in our history, aren't they? 
Oh gosh, yes. I I can. Re- I was just dumbstruck because, of course. And then we're talking about not a lot of telly going on. So, you know, they would be getting about 19 million people watching Corrie at that point. And and so to see these people, they were so, you really were talking iconic. And I can remember that at lunchtime, they used to have, they used to go in, there was a green room and they used to play cards. There was <laughs> wow. a little room and somebody came in to the, it was in another room, they played bridge. And somebody came in and said, anyone play bridge? And I, I could play bridge. And and went, went, said, could you come and make up a four? And I went, oh no. Oh, wow. <laughs> I to panic at the thought of having to sit with these iconic <laughs> men. Um, in this room and play cards with them. I just went to pieces. No, 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 no. Couldn't possibly. (laughs) I was pathetic. It was just, it was, uh, it's sort of like, I I was speechless. That's all I can say with them. Um, It was weird. The only comfort when I went back, I mean, I'd I'd been on tour, on a theatre tour with Sue Nichols, you know, who plays Audrey. Oh, who I love. Um, She's so, so amazing. Um, and so I knew her. I don't know whether she was in it at that point. I can't remember seeing her. Otherwise, I'd have clung to her like no dismissal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she wouldn't have let, <laughs> wouldn't have let her at least <laughs> alone. But it was. It, it, it sticks vividly in my memory because it meant so much. And it must be funny because obviously now, I mean, you're that person to so many younger actors, I'm sure. Do you know what I mean? So it's funny, isn't it? I'm sure they have the same reaction to you as you did to them. Gosh, well, I suppose it makes you think, really, because I never see myself no, in I that way. Said, nor did they, did they? Never, yeah. And they never saw themselves in that way. So, yes, I don't know. I mean, lots of people tell the old stories of the old green room where if you sat in someone's chair back in the day, you were soon oh, yes. asked to move. Oh, yes. Oh, they were very strict. They were very strict in telling me. Uh, people were like Liz Dawn. Uh, I, I made a friend of her then, and we, ne- we never lost touch, Liz Dawn and I. We stayed very good friends throughout her life. And um, I was really, and she helped me out. She said, don't sit there, that's so-and-so. So don't go there. <laughs> And, and you mustn't go. And, and I remember the oh God, Ken Barlow's old uncle. What was he called? The old guy. Uh, oh. She said. She said, and don't take when the when the food trolley comes around in the afternoon. Don't take the cakes because he takes them. And he filled, <laughs> so I what he filled his pockets with them. She said he takes them back. He stays at the middle and takes them oh back to God, me. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> You are on it. I mean, I remember starting Curry obviously years and years later, but you know, you meet, I remember meeting Barbara Knox and William Rapp, oh. and you are just, I mean, it's kind of, it's a surreal feeling actually, because I've met a lot of really famous people, but there's something about Curry and those iconic people that's just, it's almost like meeting a life, a real life Madame Two Swords figure. Oh, it, it absolutely is, especially that, I suppose for me, it was those days you know, of watching them when it first came on. And because it was so revolutionary, you know, it was like kitchen sink drama, but every, you know, well, there was was only a couple of nights a week then, but it was so different to anything we had. And there was some pretty good telly around then uh, in the 60s. And, but it was just, 
you know, you were there at the beginning, so you got to know those people, and they were in your lives, and um, it was all so new. Yes. Like, so much, well, I've been very lucky in a way, because technology has developed so much through my life that it's almost like everything's new. Yes, um, yeah, everything was the new. Birth of something. <laughs> um, I mean, if people watch the old episodes, it was very, I mean, uh, I, I remember speaking to uh, uh, Brian Parker created it, saying he, the reason it was created was because they needed a show. They wanted a show that was going to be long running, but it was because it was raining all the time. Um, they needed it to be filmed inside. So they decided to in Man set it in Manchester because it rained all the time and it gave them the <laughs> not to go outside <laughs> much. <laughs> and that was the idea behind it. But it was quite slow, wasn't it? I mean, it really was. I remember watching, um, when I did the Christmas special, I watched, Hilda Ogden's leaving. I mean, the scene in the pub went on for about 15 oh, minutes, but it was fantastic. Oh, it was fantastic. Yeah, she was wonderful. She was just amazing. I think my favourite character, plus Ina Sharples, who I really rather loved as well. So when you went back, I mean, obviously, I always think as an actor, it's, it's probably harder to play a small part because you're you're normally an information giver rather than... So going back as Gloria, so much was given to the character of Gloria. I mean, how did it feel going back as a as the iconic Sue Johnson this time? So you were going back totally in different circumstances. Did it feel... What were the differences? Well, I felt exactly the same. Um, really? As I all do. Listen, uh, yes, I felt... Whenever I go on a show, I always feel I'm going to be found out and I'm, I'm always in awe of all the actors and think, oh, God, they're all going to think I'm crap. Can I say crap on this? Yeah, podcast? we can say crap. And, um, you know, it, it's a funny thing. I, it, it's, I don't like myself for it, but I've never felt good enough or I shouldn't, I don't belong here. And I think it's a lot to do with, I wouldn't say I've got a chip on my shoulder, but I do think that when I went to drama school, when because I'm from a working class background and nobody at all in my family knew anything to do with theatre, so where is little seed came from to me? Yeah. I don't know. But I've always felt that I didn't quite belong, you know, and so... And it's not that people haven't ever made me feel welcome. They do, but I always try and put myself in other people's uh, shoes now because I do understand it. It's something I still have. I was so shy when I went on Downton. And um, and I was a bit like that going back to Corrie because I still admire them all yes. and respect them. And and you get shy, you know. Well, Unless I you're an old, confident person. I got... I was shy. And I think um, what you said you expect you, me to be shy. No, you know? they expect you to come in as you know they do. I think that's the pre that's the preconception. I either think someone that's a name is going to be a nightmare, or or is going <laughs> to kind of be this exuberant. But I mean, I think you're right. I think the thing is, like with me, you go into when I started on Corrie and other shows, you kind of do. I still kind of think, oh, why am I here? Do you know what I mean, I shouldn't be. I did Tim <laughs> Tim and Sally's wedding, and you get given a big episode, and you think, oh my god, like I'm going to get found out soon. I think it's. A running, I mean, most actors I speak to have the same feelings. I mean, there's not, I don't think there's many people that think, right, I'm it and I'm the best person. I mean, who said to me, yeah. it's always good to feel like you're, I think Sophie Ellis Becker said this to me actually, you should always feel like you're the, you know, that you're surrounded by better people with you in the room. And I think that's quite a good feeling to have actually. Well, I think it's better than the alternative, certainly. <laughs> yes, yeah. 
and we do know. So, so Gloria came in, um, obviously, as the mum of Stella, Michelle Collins and Eva yeah. Fry. So Michelle, obviously, you know, you were coming in as two big names, I suppose, because Michelle had a lot riding on her. Um, and I mean, Gloria came in. There was trouble kind of everywhere she went, really, wasn't there? She kind of. Yes. <laughs> she came in yes. and kind of tried to take hold of the pub, Nick's Bistro. Uh, she got involved <laughs> in the kind of con man story. I mean, it was a, it must have been a great part to go in with. Uh, it it wasn't it wasn't or it became I uh, it was good fun I have to say it was good fun and it was during that Nigel Havers thing and uh, yeah it was it it was good fun I mean I really I didn't know what to expect because it had been so long since I'd done it and also I'd been in a soap which is Brookie. Yeah. But it was totally different, and totally different to how I'd been. It was a shock, I have to say, it to just how they were. How fast it is, and how how fast, and how little prep. Yes, and how like if if you know like I if I just start talking and say, well, you know, when I've been, and they, you can see them looking at the watches and thinking, oh, 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 this is trouble. She's trouble, and and I found and no rehearsal, just run through the lines mostly and I it made me admire what they do now so much more because I think how do they, when I watch them sometimes with some of these like Jane Danson at the In moment new story I know you I, I watch that going that performance yeah. and you think how, and you know how little time they have to rehearse how fast the turnover is I think my god how they turn out those performances day after week after week in those days and just think full of admiration for them they're having to think on their feet it's I mean I know they haven't got to find a character that's the only saving grace you don't have to find a character you've got your character but the the emotional truth of some of those performances is just extraordinary, extraordinary. just for people listening to how it works we've said this before in the last series but you know on soap we go in, we kind of all say hello, we have a quick read-through, a block-through where the director will go, oh, can you walk there? And you discuss that quickly, and then you record. I mean, that's how quick it is. I would, On average, I would say you have half an hour for a normal scene. And like Jane Danson's scenes, I know how that would be scheduled. And it's almost scheduled like a, some kind of army plan without thinking of the acting in a way. Um, yeah. And so Jane would have had back-to-back -back scenes that day, you know, doing all of that. Absolutely. So it's, no wonder she's not that good. I know. <laughs> And I mean, it must be, what do you... No acting required. No acting required, but how do you deal as an actor? I mean, I know that's so fast, but do you um, take things home? Can you find it easy to separate acting from Sue, you know, the character from Sue, or do you find it, it does it carry home if you're doing emotional stuff and, and uh, stories? I always used to think, you know, because I've done a lot of crying in my past. <laughs> <laughs> I always used to think it was almost like drama therapy, like, you know, it was great to have a good old weep. You get rid of a lot of tension. <laughs> yes, yeah. I, I think the work, I, I think it's, I didn't take it home. It was the before. It was, you know, the night before worrying that I wouldn't hit hit it. or And so the, the worry and then finding it and then the relief afterwards, if you've hit it and got it, well, probably not right, but, you know, you've, you, yeah, you've yeah. done it to the best Yeah, yeah you're happy. Ish. Um, you're happy. I always felt better. So I I think for me it was in the prep uh, 
that made me tense more than the actual doing. You and know, I the after effect. Yeah, and I think on a soap, the thing is, isn't it, that you can't, I mean, it's really hard. I think a lot of actors anyway find it hard to go, right, yes, that was brilliant. But on soap, it's so quick that you don't really, I mean, it, I know a lot, and how a lot of directors and teams work is that it, as long as you get it, as long as you say the words right, they live with it. Oh, yeah. I, I think that's the other thing that um, freaked me out a little bit, that, um, you know, yeah, they move, they'd move on and you think, oh, oh God, like another girl. And they go, no, it's, it's fine, fine, it's fine. And you go, there's a bit of frustration in it. Because when you'd say those scenes that Jane did would be half an hour, you know, there'd be two hours on the drama. Yes, you know, oh, yeah, it, it, yeah, it, it's more, yeah. So, and also because I suppose you cut down speed on the scene because it's multi-camera on Corrie. Um, so, yeah, but even so, even so, uh, I, I, I did find it in the end a bit frustrating, I think because I was so used to by then working on single camera. Yes. That I found multi-camera very frustrating. And I think I, funnily enough, when I started directing drama, I went the opposite way because I started in soap and then went to do single camera. I was sat there thinking, oh, my God, like this takes, you know, when lighting <laughs> and relighting for the other side, you're like, oh, oh no, my no, God. No, yes. <laughs> so I found yeah, it the other really way. Bad. And then because what I do love about soap, and probably this is because I started in soap and drama, is that, you know, if you do have those emotional scenes, it can be electric when you do it and everyone goes for it and you get it. Do you know what I mean? And you don't have yes. to do reverses. When I did the cot death, oh. now, I just think, I don't know whether it would have been the same if we had. Do you know what I mean? When that feeling's there, sometimes it can be amazing. Yes. yes. Well, I know. And, you know, I keep, I often sit and think back on why did I leave? Um, because. I, I love the people so much and I loved going in and almost the routine was nice. You know, I could live at home and it was, um, but I missed, I, I missed the change. I missed being able to be the challenge of another character and another situation. Sorry, my dog's. <laughs> the dog, that's okay. I'm having a say. Um, so I, I think it was that. I think that I, I just, I just love the, um, the the risk that you know the the challenge of becoming somebody else and doing something different. Well, like you I think that what acting is, you know, yeah, uh, me uh, is you know taking on a character and seeing where that leads you and stuff. So um, I think that was it for me. But I did have such a good time and loved the people and made some very good friends. And I think you're right. I think I always think soap's great for younger people because you get to play so much within a character. But because you've obviously done, which we'll move on to Brookside, you've done a long running soap. So it must have been, it's kind of to do it again is maybe a push to, you know what I mean, to stay another 11 or 12 years somewhere. I mean, because it's a lot, it is a big decision, I think, a lot. Because I was saying a lot of um, whether soap continues in the same way will be interesting to watch because a lot of the older matriarchs are obviously at that certain age now. So a lot of soaps are losing these people that have been in for a long time. A lot of younger actors don't want to stay in the same job for us a long time. So it'll be interesting to see whether those big characters stay and develop. That's very true. But actually, I hadn't thought of it like that, Lee, but you're absolutely right. Because I think there is, a, I think there comes a point where you decide, I think it hit me in Brookside. And 
when I'd done six years, and I loved it. And we had some great writers and uh, who've gone on to do amazing things. And I, and that was very new because you know everybody was learning on their feet. But I, after six years, I knew that was it for me. But then they kept giving me great stories. Yes, yeah. And they let me go out. They let me and John McArdle out to do a play, a Jim Cartwright play. And that sort of revived it for a bit. Um, but then I just knew, uh, you know, there comes, there came a thing in my head when I knew I had, and I think that, I think that's when you have to make a decision as, as an actor, will I stay or will I go? That would make a good song, wouldn't it actually? <laughs> Should I stay? But, but, but it is because either you commit to that yes. uh, and, and have a very good life and do some great work. Or do you go for this terrible, dangerous life outside? Because <laughs> yeah. that's what it is, you know. You give up that security once you leave. And it's one of the um, only jobs in acting with that security, isn't it? With a, you know, something that, you know, we, where you can get maternity leave as an actor. You know, how many acting jobs yeah, can you do that? It's rare. It's, it's very hard to leave for all those uh, practical reasons as well, yes. Um, so, yeah. And then, I mean, did did you find it different being in this? I mean, going because the thing with soaps, Corrie and EastEnders especially, is the profile. I mean, you've obviously got a high profile, but do you, because obviously what Michelle Collins went through, which was, I think, terrible about the accent thing and the papers dragging. And that's that's kind of what, unfortunately, soap puts you on this pedestal, doesn't it, really, to be almost, especially if you're a name, and especially Michelle, I think, because they were just wanting her not to be a success. Um... And, I mean, so do you notice the difference in a soap that suddenly you're in something that everyone's talking about more? Do you know what I mean? Absolutely, yes. Um, I noticed it as well when I went back into Corrie, how much more upfront it was, um, you know, just to be living locally. Because I I've, um, I can live a normal life here and go, you know, people recognise me, but I'm... I keep my head down, but it's not. As soon as I was on Corrie, it it is like you belong to them somehow. Yeah, it's, um, yeah. It's, it's magnified. Um, it's huge, and um, so I did notice. Although when I was on Brookie, that was pretty full on as well. I think it's when you're in, when you're actually on telly that night. I mean, actually that night. The next day, if people have seen you, they go, oh, because it's weird. <laughs> if you're on two or three times a week and pretty constantly, then it's huge. Um, whereas, you know, if I'm not on telly for a while, nobody bothers me. But like when they ran, re-ran Royal Family over Christmas, suddenly, oh, <laughs> how they'd recognise me from 20 years ago, I do not know. But they they recognise my voice a lot. Um but it's weird because, sorry, I'm rambling a bit now. But, no, you're not. No, but, you're not. But you do get what I mean. It's like you're constantly on television. And the thing about Brookside uh, was teenagers loved it. It was so popular. Uh, 30, uh, well, my, my mother didn't like it because of the swearing. <laughs> um, and my Auntie Jean, they didn't like it because of the swearing. <laughs> but... Um, and so if I went anywhere near the local 
shops when the kids were coming out of school it was a nightmare. And my son hated it because everywhere we went, people came up and wanted an autograph. Not not photos then. There were no cameras, thank God. Oh, I know. I didn't that was nice, wasn't it? That. It was a signing then, yeah. you know, a selfie. Yeah. Um, but he hated it and hated my rec- being recognised. He wouldn't, you know, when I took him to school, I had to drop him off around the corner or pick him up around <laughs> the corner. I wouldn't be seen. Didn't want anybody to know. <laughs> Well, let's move to Brooke Side because the first episode, you were in the very first episode, and for people listening, yes. know Brookside. I mean, it was Channel 4's first big set. And it's quite funny you say that, she was popular with young people, because obviously their soap now is Hollyoaks. Now, am I right, first of all, in saying it was filmed in, was it filmed in Childwell, where Hollyoaks is? Childwell? Um, no, it was, fil- it was filmed in uh, West Derby, in, uh, on a, a real close. Oh, right, bought. okay. We bought that close. And so makeup, makeup was in one of the the end houses, that run of houses. As was the edit suite. Oh wow! Uh, and, and the house next door to the Grant's house was the canteen. Oh wow! Uh, uh, and so, and the offices were round the corner. So all everything took place at that point. It was years later that he bought Chillwall. It was just, I suppose, a year before I left. Ah, um, for, oh, right, in okay. the first six or seven years, we everything took place on the close, which he bought, and uh, you know, they, and then of course when it finished, he sold. So he was very clever. Yeah. So it was in 1982 um, until 1990. Yeah. You're in Sheila Grant. It was you were voted one of the top, Sheila Grant was voted one of the top 100 British soap characters ever, um, oh. and obviously. It was your well, your Ricky Tomlinson played your husband in the start of obviously something that lasted for years. I mean, was that the first time you met Ricky and worked with him? Yes, and I, I first met him at the audition, um, and we sat in the reception, which is one of the first houses on the close as you go in, and yes. it was still a building site when we were called in for these auditions. There, there was still paving, you know tarmac in the roads and builders were running here there and everywhere and we went into reception and then this guy came in which was Ricky and he knew he seemed to know everybody I I queen you know, doing all <laughs> everything that he is now still and I thought oh god who is he I don't know him oh god <laughs> anyway we did we did endless auditions on camera and then we were called back and uh had different kids with us and chopped and changes. And then Phil came down during one of the filming of uh, auditions and said, you're my new family. Uh, so, yeah, wow. it all it all sort of took place there. And that's Phil Redmond, obviously, who launched the soap. And it was, for any younger listeners, I mean, it was, it was so groundbreaking, I think, Brookside. I mean, to be honest, I wasn't a huge fan. I was never really a soap fan then. I shouldn't even say, but I wasn't. But... It was one of the ones you always heard about because it was so, the other soaps weren't really doing that. I mean, now it's uh, all you watch in soap is hard-hitting storylines, but then Brookside was kind of breaking the mould, wasn't it? Well, there weren't any, I don't think anybody really did hard No, I mean, Corrie was very much a kitchen sink drama then, wasn't it? It was kind of just yeah. who would sing yeah. and shout at someone or... Yeah, and it took on stuff like, you know, it got involved in stuff that, you know, like most people, like rape and... Homosexuality, yeah. and Anna Frill, obviously the most famous, the first lesbian. Kiss, yeah, uh, and yeah, uh, 
it was very, it was real. I suppose that was the difference. I suppose it was real like Corrie was in the beginning. It was yeah. just, it was of the time. And it was, it was deliberately, the housing estate was deliberate because it was how it was in those early 80s. People on the rise or people coming down, you know, people, some of the characters had been wealthier but had lost the money and were on, you know, living there. And people like the Grants who were from the council estate but had bought their first house. Yeah. So it was mixed. So you couldn't you could bring in all these different experiences of life, if you like. And they introduced, you know, drugs came in and violence. And then there was a lot of humor. I remember, you know, the, the gang boss. McArdle, played by Malcolm. Yes, Keane, I do remember him. Yeah, it was just, and he based his character on, um, oh, what was his name? The pianist, the very camp pianist. Oh, um, Nigel Liberace. Liberace. Oh, right. Yes, yeah, sorry. Yes, yes, Liberace. You know, and uh, loved his mother and all that. And he, because he was an irregular artist, as they called him, he just came in and out for storylines, wasn't there all the time. So he was an, a, a jobbing actor. So he he played Macbeth and <laughs> the young Vic during this period of being very popular on Brookie. And every time he came out, all the kids were going, oh, that's McArdle, that's not McArdle. <laughs> McArdle. <laughs> he said it drove him insane. <laughs> But that's how real, you know, uh, and it was with kids. And that's, I'm sorry, I've, got, I've gone off the subject of being recognised. But Oh, no, yeah, no, we were saying just about being hard-hitting. And then you did, obviously, your, one of the no, most notable storylines was Sheila being raped on the way home from the pub. I mean, that was, and that went on for, I mean, obviously you went home and had the bath. I mean, how, as an actor, how, how much, and obviously Brookside and your character was so huge at the time. I mean, how much responsibility do you take on when you take on a storyline like that? Well, huge, I think. Any actor will say that it, it is huge because you know how much it really matters to people yes. who've really had it done to them. Uh, and you can get up and off the floor and walk away. Um, but they they live with it for the rest of their lives. So, yeah. And I didn't know. They, they, they called me into the office and said, we're going to rape Sheila. How do you feel about it? Um, and they did ask me and ask me for an input. And what what they didn't know and what I'd never talked about to anybody really was that I had been uh, sexually attacked uh, in years before. Yes, I read uh, that. And, uh, yes, and, and yeah, but I, I spoke a lot. It allowed me afterwards to open up about my own experience um, which I'd never opened up to. I hadn't even told my parents. Oh, wow. So, uh, so it, except with the close friends that knew at the time, nobody knew. And and I don't know why I hadn't spoken. I suppose there wasn't a forum for me to speak about it. Uh, people didn't, really. Uh, now we're so much more open about Well, things. we are, but I think still telly can. I mean, it's amazing in a way that you, your character got you to speak about it, you know, and that's what soap often, that's what often soap does, allows people then yes. to come to terms with their own things. It's quite bizarre that you, your character allowed you to, to. Absolutely. With it. Yes, it did. Yeah, because uh, we, we 
uh, worked very closely with rape crisis, and uh, and so I t I opened up to them about it, about my feelings, and I felt because I was actually to be honest, I was very scared of uh, how they were going to film it. I didn't because I didn't know at the time how I would react right, because. Yeah. They didn't know what had happened to me, but they had this guy come up, running up behind me and grabbing me, which is exactly what happened to me. And I, ever since, uh, and with, I was, what, 27, and I'm 77, so 50 years ago, and I still can't have anybody run up behind me. Right, okay. Because in my psyche, I go back to that yeah, very moment. Yeah. And... Uh, and I, I, and that's the memory. That's before the attack. So I was worried that I wouldn't, as an actor, be able to be in control. Uh, that I might lose. I was, I was more scared about what I might do that wasn't acting. Right. Yes. <laughs> I might yeah. react, really. <laughs> um, uh, but as as it happened, I. I think because I talked about it to these other people that I, I did I did stay in control. I didn't lose control, and in the end, the whole thing, uh, I think, helped me talk about it. So it was a bit like <laughs> it was like drama therapy. Yeah, what yeah. happened to people at home? That is quite incredible because that is I think that's where soap has the biggest impact because it's in people's lives every day. Um, you know, like you said, it, it's like people. It's not even ownership, I think. And because it's on a street or in a close, it's not like you're playing a, you know, in Waking the Dead, where it's something quite removed from normal people's lives. You know, it's it's kind of normal people. And that's why it has such yeah. an effect and why they relate to these people. And why it's so important, I think, that so does these storylines, because it's it's the best way of doing, getting across to them, I think. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's true. People identify, and that's, that's the, the best way of doing it. Yeah. So then obviously moving on, I mean, we have to move on because I could talk about Brookside Rages, but obviously then Ricky Tomlinson joined you in the BAFTA award-winning, one of my favourite poems ever, the, um, the Royal Family, which was made by Granada TV for the BBC in 1998. Yes. Uh, the British Film Institute's list of the 100 greatest TV programmes ever, it ranks 31st. But had Caroline... Had, had Caroline seen you and Ricky on Brookside? I mean, is that was that what was she fans of? Was she a fan of yours? Yes, she. Uh, Ricky rang me one day because he'd been to the uh, RTS Awards, and uh, he said, "That this woman came up to me and said, <laughs> you're going to be my my dad, and Sue Johnson's going to be my mum.'" <laughs> and he went, "Oh, all right." <laughs> <laughs> didn't know who she was, I had a clue. And it turned out it was Caroline. And within, I said, what do you think of that? He said, oh, no. he told, then he found out who she was and said, it's Caroline and she does. He'd never seen Mrs. Merton. Uh, and she, so yeah, that it, she had us in mind for it right from the beginning. And then that, like with a, within a week, we'd got the scripts. Wow. Uh, and we rang up again and went, what do you think? Think, uh, I said, what do you think? He said, you think, he said, I think it'll either be 
buried at midnight are a success. And that's how we thought of it all the way through, really. Because when we started, which is probably well known by now, it was, again, going to be like sitcoms were uh, in a studio with an audience. And Caroline and Craig didn't want that. And they had this vision of it looking like it was real, you know, the, and how it ended up. Um, but they were so nervous of it. Uh, both Granada, and of course, we had double suits. We had yeah, suits and, and the BBC, yeah. And, the, and at the read-through, they were all stood around uh, while we read it. And then we went off for lunch and Caroline and Craig stayed with them to argue their point again, that they wanted it single camera on the shoulder, like fly on the wall. So the the compromise was that we did it multi-camera and we had a director who was from Light Entertainment uh, and we just didn't have an audience. And, of course, it was shit. <laughs> um, she buried that um, the video of it, the recording oh, wow. of it, in her brother's garden, along with the Mrs. Merton one where she had that awful comedian, that racist, bloody comedian. Oh, yeah, yeah. Who'd been on Mrs. Merton, and uh, she buried those two things in her brother's garden. Would never see the light of day again. Oh my God! And they, stood us all, they stood us all down for a month, and then we recorded it as you all saw it. The event is what is exactly. Think of the money they wasted. Wow! But that's you know they nobody had ever done comedy like that. Nobody had oh. done it. It was always multi-camera in a studio. They'd and not it's so funny now, isn't it? To look. It's so funny now to look back because so much has been done like that now, but it was so groundbreaking. And I think, um, oh, yeah. And I mean, I, what I love about uh, just those people, you know, the biggest successes. I remember going to something about the Derry Girls, which I love, which is a new comedy where the three women there who created that really had to fight for what they wanted. And I think it's, got, I mean, all credit to someone like Caroline, because obviously it's quite hard when you've got all these people from television companies, but she had such a focus and such a. And I mean, it's almost like it went back to not original Corey, because at the beginning, the first couple of series, less so the, the specials, were were basically kind of real time, weren't they? Just sat in the lounge. Sat in the lounge. Yeah. But now they've made Gogglebox, which is hugely successful, yeah, which is really a real life. Just like the royal family. <laughs> yeah. And did you, had you ever had, I mean, I know when you play, you know, playing a successful couple, I mean, were there doubts of going back with Ricky or was it an instant? Oh my God. Yeah. It's a joy. To oh, work. Never a doubt. Never a doubt. I, yes. I, I love him. He's, you know, uh, is one of my best friends. Oh yeah. I, I suppose I'm in the pressure of like recreating, you know, when you've had something so big as a couple, you know, is it quite risky to then play another couple? Uh, I don't know that we ever thought about, about it, it. No. no because he'd left he'd left before i before i did and he had a bad time ricky uh uh i don't know i don't know it's his business i don't want to talk about yeah, it but no, he had a bad time and a bit of a downer time and i you know he i know he'd gone through a lot and so when he came back into being around again and uh met his new wife and uh he, it was different, you know, he was a different guy and it was a different situation and I know how funny he is and so it all just seemed natural. So the cast was Caroline Hearn, Craig Cash, you Ricky, 
uh, Ralph Little. Uh, they, you were the family, and C- Craig and Caroline obviously wrote the show and looked after the show. I mean, is it? Is it? What's the pressure like when you're working with the writers themselves? I felt it was a privilege, to be honest. I, I just loved them from day one when I met them, and because they filled you with confidence, both of them. She was the most wonderful. Oh, God, I've got tears in my bloody eyes now. Oh. I always do when I go to I know, talk about it. I know. The most generous, the most generous and witty and wonderful genius of a woman. Um, and so everything was joyful. They made everything joyful because, because of their openness. I've been using, you know, like... You know what it's like if, if you're working on a show. The directors, the producers, they're all off in another world and you don't yeah. know what they're thinking about. And you're not included in that. We were always included. It was yeah, like... Incredible, actually. It was just... It, they were so open and at never at any point did they make you feel that you weren't good enough or that you weren't doing your right job. Or It was just... Um, Heaven. <laughs> I, I mean, that's probably part of the success of the show because that comes. I mean, as you know, when you work and you enjoy work, and everyone's getting yeah. on. I mean, it comes across on the screen, no doubt. Do you know what I mean when it's when it's like that? Yeah. The warmth and the... I think so. Yes, absolutely. You can tell when people are having a good time and they like each other, can't you? Yes, we can. I mean, we can. Probably most people can't, but I certainly look at stuff and think, "Oh my god." That there's obviously <laughs> no because you can tell, and I mean I oh, think I think with Caroline, I mean obviously I don't want to get upset, but it's so sad because there's so many geniuses in our world that have uh, had uh, early finish to life. Do you know what I mean? I mean, and especially what I mean, there's there's something that intrigues me about comedians, especially Victoria Wood, that a lot uh-huh. of them, a lot of them uh-huh. are very. Um, I mean, I've even you worked with Jennifer Saunders as well. When I worked with Jennifer, I couldn't believe how. I did um I did comic relief with her in Dawn French and I was in shock that Jennifer Saunders was so nervous. She was being sick before she went on. Um and it was quite shy. And I expected Jennifer's I expected them to be doing stand-up for me all day when I looked after them. And it was completely the opposite. There's something about comedians, isn't there, that actually is very different to the what they what they come across as. Well, yes, I mean there's so much so much tragedy when you look back in all the great I mean like Tony Hancock was the biggest thing yes. for me that you know these these they can be suicidal and yet they're making you laugh like a drain the contact they have with you it's um and and Caroline well it's well written about her demons yeah. and uh and she used to laugh at herself bless her and she was we used to have she'd suddenly get very irate with uh, Craig or uh, some, something would irritate her beyond belief and she'd storm off and uh, into a set. And so we, we used to have a, a naughty corner uh, for everybody who corpse too much or didn't know the lines. And uh, never, nobody was ever victimised if they didn't know the line. But we used to have this naughty corner. And this, because we always had the same crew, the crew joined up every year because they had such a good time on Yeah, oh, sure. They used to love being on the show. So eventually the prop guys built a naughty corner <laughs> and the naughty corner got bigger and bigger till it was like a jail and it had a door with, you know, like bars on it and a oh, blue light on it. brilliant. They all went, 
I know, and we all ended up in it one day. Broadcast and fruit squashed in this naughty corner. Um, but it, that was a sign of how, like, she could laugh at herself. Uh, and yeah, she got frustrated from time to time because things weren't going right. But it's because she was, she knew what she wanted and she could see it. And, yes. Uh, it was funny because it was never the actors she got angry with. Um, Mostly herself or Craig, bless him. <laughs> <laughs> and I've never, you know what? I'm so stupid. I'd never put two and two together. That's why obviously she did originally. Now Craig does the voiceover for Gogglebox. I'm so stupid. I've never even made that very obvious connection. Lee, yes. I know. Where have I But you obviously did, um, you know, I can't believe it was only actually the series was on for two years. And then you came back six years later to do the uh, uh, the first of quite a few specials and there was obviously supposed to be another one yeah. and, and unfortunately Caroline passed away it must have been just like coming back because obviously we know as well when you do a long running you know you have got it's like you're having different families it's like you're cheating and you've got you've got your family and you've got your family there it must have been lovely coming back every year just to do a Christmas special oh it was blissful because and also it's like you know when you you said earlier about how long it takes, you know, changing the lights round for a shot. Yes. Um, uh, and leaving the set and going back to, usually everybody goes back to their own rooms and waits to be called back on set. We never used to. We used to stay on the sofa. Oh, great. Um, and just, you know, because everybody had tales to tell and was funny and, and we all just wanted to be there on the sofa while, uh, you know, people told jokes or set each other up or, Caroline, I go, John, this is to John Rushton, who was then the producer, um, and is also now my producer on Cotfields. Uh, but she'd say, John, I think we've lost the sparkle. <laughs> I think we need champagne. <laughs> <laughs> Send a runner out to get champagne. <laughs> to put it on mugs. Brilliant. <laughs> I've but, tried it since, but it doesn't work. It, it only doesn't. works with Caroline. <laughs> <laughs> and did it feel, I mean, everyone's obviously gone on to, Ralph's done amazingly well as well, hasn't he? Um, oh, I texted him last night, you know, um, because I've never really been a fan of that show. It's sort of been around and I've... What's that, the... Um, I think I've ever started Yes. Death in Paradise, yeah. Yeah, and I thought, oh, I should... I, I should watch him. So I watched it last night. And it was just so lovely to see him. It just made me feel great. So I had to text him and say how wonderful it was to text him when he got back to me straight off. Hiya, ma'am. Um, <laughs> I love all that as well, you see. It's just, yeah. Uh, I just love how it's happened for him. It's uh, He's such a great kid and I love him you know he's he was the same great. age as my girl they're oh, the wow. same age um so yeah and we used to, like Liz Smith oh my god I love Liz Smith she used to love being on the sofa she used to adore being with us all so we are like her family her part kind of got bigger and bigger as it went on because she was so oh, brilliant yeah. she was so brilliant what oh oh she was wonderful she was oh. an incredible actress hilarious hilarious she's oh, one of those people that doesn't really need to do anything and she has in stitches but apparently death in paradise nina wadia told me i mean apparently it's the job you need to do. if you get offered it you're going to do an episode because you get flown out 
in that gorgeous place. And she said, basically, yeah, everyone just goes out and has fun all the time. I mean, it does sound <laughs> a nice, nice little gig to do, being stuck on a Caribbean island. Great gig. It, it reminded me of me going out to do, and I can't remember the name of it now, with Amanda Redman out in Sri Lanka. Oh, wow. Uh, that Oh, yes. And I went out to do an episode of that uh, with Phyllis Logan. We all flew out and just were on the beach most of the time. The only thing I think of filming in that heat is the constant sweating. I mean, it's nice being there, but actually do. I used to make a travel series and actually everyone thought it was so glamorous. But when you're you're running around with Kit and just it's, it's kind of like you just want to be laid on the beach. Um, yeah, it's so hard, isn't it, really? Lee, it is. It's I know, hard. we can't complain. But so my heart bleeds for you. <laughs> I know, I know. We'll go on from the royal family. And, I mean, if anyone's watching this is younger and hasn't watched it, you must watch it. It's just one of television's greats. And then, obviously, you join. you what's funny. Can I tell you about that? Because yeah. here's a name drop, a big clangor. I feel like Piers Morgan dropping <laughs> a big name. <laughs> Stephen Gerrard, uh, oh. well-known footballer, um asked me he he invited me to he had he made a little film about his career and he there was a premiere of it in Liverpool and he invited me and then he came up and said would you come and meet my daughters because they're crazy about the royal family age 15 30 they've just refound it and were crazy so it's like it had got skipped a couple of generations and now these kids are loving it um and actually when i saw the first episode series over christmas it's still relevant isn't it oh totally relevant yeah it's still, i don't mean relevant in that political way or, i mean what i mean is it hasn't dated i don't know and especially as everyone's sat in the lounge in lockdown at the moment it's kind of very yeah. very well, I mean, I've just watched, um, I'm just watching reruns because I've I watched them on and off, but Only Fools and Horses at the moment. I've become addicted again. I mean, you just forget how absolutely amazing that was. I mean, incredible. And actually very, very, not slow, but, you know, a lot, a lot of the scenes were really long scenes in that lounge, actually. You know, it's very character driven. It's uh, later on, it yes. was stunty. But I mean, so many scenes of just the three boys in the lounge and just hilarious. I mean, you forget how brilliant that, you know. It's amazing when you catch up with a series that you just forget how amazing it was. I know. I know. It's wonder. I mean, that has been, I suppose, in the world, if there is a good side of lockdown, a side of lockdown, it, it is those wonderful tellies that you've captured. Yeah, that you probably, that you probably wouldn't put time aside to watch unless you had lots of time. And yeah, it's great readers come. I mean, Ab, I would say of all time, Royal Family is one, Ab Fab. And Forty Towers, I think, are my top um, top comedies. Forty oh, Towers, yes, absolutely, Forty Towers. Um, and we'll quickly talk about because you did Jam and Jerusalem with Jennifer Saunders, who is probably one oh, of the yes. biggest icons ever. I mean, it was that incredible. Oh. I mean, you, that must have been a no, you know, a non non no brainer to go and work with her. Oh, that was that was a weird one as well because we, me and. My friend Anna Keefney, who's sadly no longer with us, but oh, yeah, Marie, as well, yeah. Her and her bloke, and me, and my uh, a friend of mine, and my son, and my auntie and uncle all went to 
we decided we'd go down to Devon for New Year. And uh, we booked in this pub, and it was Jennifer's brother's pub. Oh, wow. And uh, they came in on New Year's Eve, and she, we were all dancing and, you know, very happy. And uh, she said, I want you to play this woman in this new series." And, and she said, and come and meet, this is the woman who's, who it is. So I went to meet this woman who she'd based the series on. Oh, wow. And uh, it was all a bit surreal. And in the morning I thought, oh, I was just pissed. I, <laughs> Did that happen? Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't real, but it was. And to go, and do you know, what a time we had. What a time. Those funny, funny women and brilliant actresses. It was a joy. And we all used to have rooms all together. It was like the girls' dorm. Oh, oh my brilliant. God. It and it's so gorgeous. Happy, happy it's so home. gorgeous down there, isn't it? It's beautiful. It's oh, it was such a wonderful time. And my daughter, I had a black lab then called Ebony, who came everywhere with me. And and Jennifer said, why don't we have Ebony as your dog? So Ebony oh, was in it. So we're all in it. And, uh, yeah, and it was great. And, you know, Jennifer's a big Man U supporter and I'm a big Liverpool supporter. So we used to watch, listen to the match on the radio together. <laughs> and, great. Uh, and it was it was just, oh, and dawn. I, people I loved and laughed at. And of course, one of my oldest friends, Maggie Steed, was in it, and and Maggie and I have been friends since the seventies, and uh, and so she, oh, God, it was just was Joanna, yeah. was, Joanna Lumley was in it as well, wasn't she? Was she? And Joanna Lumley was hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, hilarious in it. And you know, it was funny because I was with somebody the other day. Oh, I know, I was doing a voiceover, and the director at the other end said why don't they repeat Jam in Jerusalem during this lockdown? He said, because he thought it was brilliant. And it was almost for me like the BBC never really had faith in it. Yes. Because they never get the regular slot. They changed it every week and they changed it every series. And uh, it was like they didn't have, yeah, just didn't have faith. No, they didn't. And you never saw it trailed. I mean, it kind of almost was a bit cultish in the fact that it, even though it was on BBC One, it felt like it was a cult hit because, yeah, it didn't. I mean, they yeah. shouldn't run it. It never got the the level of attention and of, um, respect. No, it, got a, you know, it got a half ten slot, half ten in the first series. Second series, they ran two episodes together. And then the first series, they just kept changing it so it wasn't a regular slot. It, I, it, I'll never understand. I, I think, to be honest, understand. probably because it was quite different. And I just think now yeah. TV companies, I mean, we pitched a few different things. And, you know, as soon as Derry Girls became big, everyone just wants a new Derry Girls and everything else is not wanted. And it's just kind of like, so if anyone, obviously they're going to commission something by Jennifer Saunders, but probably yeah. you haven't really got the, it's not kind of what's popular at the moment. So they just bury it, which is mad. Oh, totally mad. Totally mad. Yes, we um, um, so we also have to talk about Downton Abbey, which obviously you went into. Now, again, I didn't even know you were until you told me because I'm not a, a Downton fan. Although we then watched the film and me and Paul, my husband, said we must watch the series because actually we did really enjoy it. Um, but obviously, you know, you can't get over the success and the magnitude of that show. Like you said, you must have been bricking it going into Downton. Yeah. Bricking it's a good expression. Um, 
I had some good friends in it as well, like Leslie Nichol, who played Mrs. Patmore, and I'd worked with Jim Carter um, on Brust Off. So I knew people. Film as well, um, that's a brilliant film. But it, it, I'll tell you the weird, weirdest thing, and I can remember it now. I got a phone call upstairs in my bedroom from uh, the writer. What, and I can't oh, Julian Fellows. Julian Fellows. Hello, this is Julian Fellows here. Uh, I just like to say we were just thinking of bringing you in for a character, <laughs> and I was just like, "Oh my god!" Had you watched it? You a Downton fan? I'd love Downton. Yes. Oh, right. Okay. Wow. Oh, brilliant. So to hear Julian Fellows on the end of the phone telling me about this part that he thought of for me, and uh, uh, it was like. I think it was probably like those viewers when Andy Peters on morning television. Yes, yeah. One three thousand pounds. I felt a bit like that. No, when um, Noel's uh, house party used to go live to the house, it was that moment. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, anyway, um, it was. I was. I, I, it was like when I described earlier about going into Coronation Street about shy and what am I doing. I, I have to say, I know what it's like to go in as an irregular actor because of doing the long series, particularly, say, like Waking the Dead, when you used to have lots of guest artists yeah. and, and a lot who have to come in for small bits. And I know how, I know how hard that is. It's harder than being a regular. Yes. Because yeah. you have to make... Oh, how do you relax and how you know find you your confidence? You know everyone's going to be judging you. I always thought that about, especially probably the biggest show for me ever to be a guest star in would have been something like Friends. You know where you're you're yeah. a guest, you're suddenly in with those six actors. It must be terrifying, terrifying, and and it is. So, uh, um, but it, it and um, they did make me feel at home. It was fine. There was no problem. It's your problem. It's yeah. you. Yeah. Oh God! I don't know whether I can do this. Um, no, for me, it was because I, Maggie Smith was the big. Um, oh my God! I've got to be in scenes with Maggie, with Maggie Smith. Smith. No. And also, I I wanted to be good Definitely. enough for her. Yeah, yeah. Because you admire her so much, so there's all that sort of pressure on you. And uh, we saw and her formidable. Oh, she is. We, she was in an old Poirot we saw on telly the other day, very young. I mean, we always say she's one of those people that's always looked old, even when she was young. But it made me, you know, when you, yeah, you know, when you see someone from years ago and you go, my God, she's been around for, you know, she's like, she, yeah, I mean, we know she's been around for it, but I mean, yeah, she is one of our most formidable actresses, isn't she? She's just suddenly being. Oh, yeah, she's wonderful. Yes, wonderful. And actually, she's a lovely, lovely woman. But scary as hell. Of course. Because she doesn't take fools lightly. And uh, and she's earned her credibility in that way. I, I mean, I sort of don't like that too much, that people have that much power that they can affect a set uh, with bad humour. And I've had a bit of experience of that. And But she she sort of makes up for it in her... I, I, mean, I just think it's a way she covers herself, you know. Yes, I think I think a lot of people. I mean, I think um, I mean, I've always said if I was, I don't know, you know, like the singers, like Madonna, you know, doesn't, you know, you're told not to speak to her unless she speaks to you. And I think actually, if I was probably that famous, and you know, people, you probably would be like, 
God, I just <laughs> speak to everyone. So actually, you might, <laughs> well, you, know, you never know. But yeah, someone like her, I mean, and also acting within that set, as you know, when I first went to EastEnders and Coronet, the original Coronet Street, the second Coronation Street didn't quite do it for me because I knew it wasn't the original. But um, you are, you just feel like you're standing there and part of history and you're just, you know, you never, I think people say, yes. to, you know, I'm a television director, I'm used to going to sets and meeting famous people. But when you go somewhere that you respect, it's almost like you become a viewer again, don't you? You become a little child again, going, oh my God, I'm here. Yes. You're right. You're absolutely right. That's what it is. And you think, is this where I get found out that I'm not quite good enough <laughs> yeah. to be? Yeah. Not quite good enough. Um, but having said that, it was a wonderful experience uh, <clears throat> and it was lovely to be with the cast. And and it was, in the end, fun. I mean, and also, I, ain't, I haven't done an awful lot of period stuff, so it was just great to be flung into that and also to work with Maggie Smith. Yes, I mean, a ledger, that's, I mean, you work with amazing, what what was period like in terms of, I always think it must be very slow for hair, you know, you've got hair, makeup, costume, which are very extravagant. I hate, you see, because (laughs) I used to love the whole family because I used to say I'm going into makedown. (laughs) Yes, you you just scrape your hair up and smudge your makeup. Yes, Um, whereas, yeah, Downton, the wig and everything, the corset, and uh, it was because it's, you know, it's part. I've done. I mean, I've done a lot of period stuff in the theatre, so it's yeah. not that I. Uh, it was. It's just a different uh, discipline. You weren't in the Downton movie. Not that one, no. Oh, does that mean you might be in another one? <laughs> I'm not saying any more, Lee. Not saying any more. Okay. Leave that hanging. Well, leave that uh, hanging is a cliffhanger. Yeah, leave that hanging. Yeah, that's a great. That's a great cliffhanger. And I mean, just yeah, what a part. I mean, that's what I love. I mean, your career, we haven't even brought, touched on theatre because we haven't had time. We're going to quickly talk about just a tiny thing more about your upbringing. But you've been in part, but basically it's amazing that you've been part of these, some of those incredible shows on British television in history. It's incredible. And you've also done Inspector Moore's Hetty Wenthrop, Hetty Wenthrop Investigates, who I used to do. Oh, yes. Oh, listen, let me just tell you, I've just done, um, I've, I've just done this, uh, you know, I was doing it when we were working together. Pop, yes. I've just done uh, this, it's called Time. It's a Jimmy McGovern prison. Uh, brilliant, brilliant three-parter, as all as Jimmy's are. And it's Sean Bean and, uh, amongst others, Sean Bean and Stephen Graham. And oh, I, played, wow. I played Sean Bean's mother. Now, last time I w- worked with Sean Bean in Morse, I was his mother. And now I'm his oh, mother. Wow. Oh, my God. And that's what happens to actresses in the theatre business um, or TV business. Men stay the same and women get to be mothers. Yeah, well, I, was, I was saying this to show knows <laughs> coming up in the series from Corey and we were saying there's a kind of, there's, there's a missing 20 years in women actresses' life on screen. You know, you're either, you go from the lover yeah. to the mother, like you said, you, there's no in-between. And yeah. she, she's really struggling because she looks a bit younger, Shobna, to get to, even to that mother point yet. <laughs> Yes, I know. Yeah, I'm now at the grandmother. Although, yeah, playing Sean Bean's mother was pretty good. Yeah, uh, that's great. That, yeah, that's great. Yeah, that that's uh, it. It's tremendous. It, it's hard hitting as Jimmy's stuff always is, but brilliantly acted. And uh, I think it will. I think it will be very well. successful. 
And you mentioned earlier, you're in one of my favourite, it's one of my favourite film, Brastoff. I love Brastoff. I think it's such a gorgeous film. Oh, it's lovely, isn't it? Yeah. It is really lovely. Ewan McGregor, who I've met a few times, is lovely. And it's just, uh, you know. he was such a child. He was such a child. He was just this, he just come straight from train spotting. Yeah, I was going to say it was soon after train spotting, wasn't it? Yes, he was just, oh. And Jim Carter, of course, was it? Yeah, oh. And oh, Pete Hopperway, who was one of my favourite actors ever. Oh, Pete, yeah, because Pete and I, yeah, we both born within two metres of each other in Padgate, Warrington. Oh, wow. Uh, and, uh, oh, I loved him so much. It, uh, just there you go. There's another terrible tragedy. I know. Oh, He's oh, the one, oh, one of the oh. only people I've seen. I saw on a train to London from Leeds, and it took me the whole train journey to... Like a fact, like I said, even though I work in telly, to build up the courage just to go, I think you're really great. Uh, and he was lovely. And then we sat and spoke. But it's, yeah, I, he amazing. And there's something about Northern, uh, there's something you'll never beat about Northern films. You know, they've just got that real war. There's something so magical about them. Yeah, yeah. We were about to do it um, last, uh, just before Christmas at the, again, we've done it once. And we're doing it. Sorry about that. <laughs> The dog's very excited about the idea of brass off on stage. You're going to say, yeah, yeah, yeah at the Royal Albert Hall where we oh, have, wow. you know, the, uh, where the brass band, Grandfort Brass Band, come and they show the film and the brass band play, and then we all talk to the audience afterwards. Uh, and we were about, we did it, and it was really success. I couldn't go in there because I was working. Um, a lot of the cast did, and my my cousin and his wife went and said it was one of the best nights they'd had. Oh wow! And, um, Brilliant. And then we were due to do it again just before in about all the autumn, and obviously couldn't do it. Obviously, so hopefully stopped, yeah. we'll do it again with the Grandthorpe Brass Band. You know who are struggling? They're struggling for money. Oh, of They're, course. Uh, like everybody else, it's harsh and. Um, so I hope we can. We all keep a little, yeah, that was another, you know, when you have a, a really good company and you all work together and you, you're happy, you sort of stay friends. Forever. You know, you do, yeah, I always think, and you always have that um, real depression after um, when I used to do theatre and even when I do a really good TV show, you know, and you go, uh, Oh no! I mean, like we've so we've just done obviously the ceremony, which was uh, a play that Cat yes. Hillsley wrote yeah. that we raised money for. It's going to be repeated in March actually on the Stream Theatre, and then they'll tell us how much we've raised. But um, I mean, we only did a few days together. It felt like we were all together for weeks. I know, I know, but weren't we a lovely company? I yeah, it's I lovely when it just. I mean, you know, I mean, you know, nowadays in telly, hopefully, I make you know when you're a bit more in control, you can choose the people you want because. There's nothing better than working with people you know. I, I've always said as a director, I'll know as soon as an actor walks in to an audition whether they're going to fit in and whether I'll, you know, you're, yes. you're, it, it becomes very obvious who's going to kind of work. Yes. Not. It's in the casting, Lee. Oh, totally. It's all in the casting. If you get the casting right, your job's done. I've always believed that. It's in the casting, isn't it? Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. one week link and it, it, it kind of unravels. Um, yeah. But the one thing I wanted to end on, which I need to ask you, I didn't realise if this is true, you worked as a tax inspector, but then for Brian Epstein, <laughs> when, you, when your boyfriend was in a band called The Swinging Glue, was it The jeans. Swinging Glue Jeans? Have you never heard Hippie Hippie Shake? Yeah, is that them? That's them. Oh, yeah. wow, that's amazing. So were you like a proper <laughs> rock star lifestyle? 
Oh, well, I tell you what's really, you know, um, Jerry's wife texted me yesterday, Pauline. You know, Jerry died. Yes, recently, because yeah. we all went. We were all cavern girls, like um, Jerry and the Swinging Blue Jeans. I'm still in touch with some of the Swinging Blue Jeans. That's amazing. And, uh, and of course, the Beatles, and we were all. 17 18 we're all young kids together and uh yeah um i think sometimes when i look back i think i've been really lucky and been in the right the right place at the right time and okay, i think how did you go from a tax to dating a, a rock star <laughs> dating a rock star and I, well yeah it was great because Oh, it was just great. And we were all together, you know, went to Paul McCartney's 21st. And, wow. And, uh, yeah, we all just, we, we, were all, we were all young and, you know, life was beginning. I was trying to be an actor. They were going to be, well, they, they already were. He came back for his birthday. Um, but when I first met them, we were, about, we were all about 18. And I was, a, yeah, as a tax officer, tax officer. <laughs> How 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 life could have been different? Worst tax officer in the world. Um, <laughs> I know. I never wanted to be a tax officer. It was just my uncle was an income tax inspector and suggested it when I said I wanted to be an actor. The dog's anyway, really unhappy with talking to you being a tax inspector. <laughs> I said to my dad, I'll tell her to be a tax inspector instead, as if that was like going to soothe my. <laughs> so I, but I, but what I'm grateful to is that it was in Liverpool Fifth District, which was right on the corner of Matthew Street, and the girls used to, we all used to go to the cavern at lunchtime, and I've still got my cavern club badge, and it was a shilling wow. to join, and we used to go in, and at lunchtime you'd just see, well, there were the quarry men there and swinging blue jeans. All of them, the big three, all of that, those groups that came crashing through about two years later. Sorry, sorry about the noise. <laughs> <laughs> the door. I was going to say, it's like the Beatles have just walked in. There's a little cacophony of sound at the door. <laughs> yes, yeah. It's probably Ringo Starr. <laughs> yes, yes, just, yeah. They've never liked him. It's just Julian Fellows and Jennifer at the door and Ringo Starr, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, incredible. I mean, the because the music world is to obviously, I think, quite different from the acting world, but I went away with a couple of bands when I started, with, like, filming, and uh, I mean, I was just amazed by the world of music bands. I mean, it's incredible. It really is a uh, uh, crazy life that they lead. Yes, but, but then that's where I'm a fan. I mean, those days were a bit heady and stuff, but then I went off to be an actor because uh, Norman and I split up, and and I decided then that I needed to get back. I sort of waived all my wanting to be an actor bit while I was involved in that music scene. Yes, yeah. Uh, and I thought, no, I really want to get on with this, and that's when I started getting on with it and got into drama school and stuff. Um, but, yeah, I, then I started to follow my dream. Really. And what a dream it became. And I'll finish with, obviously, the 2009 OBE. I mean, that must... Um, and recently, obviously, Sally Dynavers, um got one from Corrie, which um, Sally's amazing. And Nina Wadia got an MBE this year. Um, uh, uh, I mean, that must be incredible, mustn't it, to, to get awarded that? Um, well, yeah. I, I, yeah, I, I, <laughs> 
I know what you're um, like. You're kind of like, yeah, oh, yeah. I, I don't want to turn it. So, I, I mean, yes, it's incredibly flattering and I appreciate it very much. Uh, my mum and dad, that, that's what I took away with it. My mum and dad would have been so proud. Of me, yeah. So proud. Uh, and, you know, uh, and so that's why, in a way, it mattered. Yes, I know what you mean because I do, I, do I do sometimes think obviously it's a group of people that sit down and put them out, but you know, they are. Well, I don't know how they get them. I think somebody must write in, and I, I suspect one of my friends wrote in and said <laughs> she, she deserves one. And you go, and they go, oh, with no one else to give it to. So oh, no, I'm sure. It. I mean, I'm sure yours <laughs> probably the Queen because the Queen loves Corrie. And who was I talking to? And, um, I said to Shona, the Queen must love It's nothing to do with the Queen, Lee. It's nothing to do with the Queen. I think you might be, because she would love Downton. And, oh, no, that was the Queen. Oh, that would be silly. I haven't done Downton then. It was no, nothing no. to do with the Queen. It's about government officials. Do you think she knew who you were, though, when you got given it? Pardon? Do you think she knew who you were, though? When Not she... a clue. Not a clue. I've met her twice. <laughs> never had a clue either time. She... And she's very sweet, and bless her. Can you imagine having I mean, to say this over and over again? I know. The only time, I, I've got a picture, and it's rather sweet because we're both laughing because she couldn't get the hook on top of the thing, and we both had a giggle. But um, And it made it relaxing. But she looks and she goes, because it goes, Sue Johnson for charity and drop her services for charity and drama. And she goes, oh, it must be really nice to be able to do charity and drama and you go <laughs> and then the hand comes out and you go what you know you're dying to say something to her that will mean something to her yes. to say how wonderful you think she is and everything else but that when the hand comes out and you're told to move back and then a bit after that I met her uh, when she was doing the tours for her uh, one of her jubilees 75th whatever and I don't know anyway she came to Liverpool and all the great and good of Liverpool we were all summoned to Walker Art Gallery and her <laughs> mother had only just not long died and I took my mother who's been a royalist all her life and she's in a wheelchair and we're all in Walker Art Gallery in a big circle and all the comedians are there Ken Dodd and everyone and Paul McCartney and he was with Stella was it Stella? Oh, yes. yes yeah so, I, met, I met her a couple of times all that. And I'm behind my mum in the wheelchair, and as the guy brings her around, introduce her, he says, and this is the member of our own royal family. <laughs> and she went, hey. I'll put her hand out. Nothing registered. Nothing oh, registered about, you know, or that it was the royal family. She must have been bonged out with all days, shaking people's <laughs> yeah. bloody hands. <laughs> and, my mo- and she didn't even look at my mother in the wheelchair. Oh, no. And my mother was devastated because all her life, oh, all her no. life. And then uh, she, Prince Philip had headed straight to Ken Dodd and the comedians, and they were having a good laugh in the corner. I'm sure. And then, um, I know. And then uh, Paul McCartney came over, uh, and we had a you know, little reunion chat, and he had a, we had a photo with my mum. And my mum going, oh, you're that dirty beetle that used to come to my house. <laughs> and I've got, I've got the photo, I've got the photograph in my kitchen framed because it's oh, lovely. Oh, that's brilliant! She's more delighted with meeting him on the way back than the Queen. 
than the Queen. She stuck with the Queen because the Queen ignored her. And looked at her. My oh, mum's queen. Poor Queen, because she probably met 60,000 old people that day. I know. And to be honest, she probably wouldn't have. I wouldn't say the royal family was on her list of watching things because it's probably that no, probably, wasn't, that probably wasn't what she settled down no. to with a, with a gin and tonic. Oh, not at all. No. Um, I, I think she, I thought, like, well, who would want that job? I thought she looked beleaguered. And, you know. Oh, I, can't, I mean, I can't imagine. I mean, um, you know, I'm always split with the royal family. I do think they're just good. But um, yeah, who would want. Oh God, that job! Yeah, a meet. I mean, my my nightmare is meeting that. That's why I've always, when I wanted to be an actor when I was younger, I made the firm decision that I never could be famous because I don't like meeting new people all the time. So I would be so rude. I would, you know, when I'm on holiday now, even I mean, I hate saying what I do because it starts a conversation. So I did. Yeah. Uh, I did once on holiday with Paul say to someone, they said, "What do you do?" And I said, "I work in a bank." And they said, "Oh, which bank?" And I said, "On oh, that west." What do you think about the cash, cashier? And they went, oh, I am for um, HSBC. Oh, Have you got this new oh, system no. that's coming to place? So I was like, oh, my God, the one time I've done it and I've been caught out already. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, listen, Sue, it's been amazing. I more profession to choose, Lee. You could have been a bit more adventurous. I know, I could have been more adventurous. But I was trying to think of something that I found, you know, I thought would create no conversation no. to people who go, oh, a cashier yeah. in a bank. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. We won't ask you about that. Yeah. You say you direct telly. I mean, my mum, because telly's got this weird, obviously, connotation. It is what we do. I still can't believe I get paid for doing what I do because I love it and always have. But, um, you know, people do think it's a lot more glamorous. I mean, what I love what I love and hate about this job is, you know, if you get an attack, when I worked on soap and I, we had a, a, you know, a taxi firm that picked up people so they knew we worked on the soap and, you know, you'd be like, the taxi driver would go, you know, well, I just, I, I think Emmerdale's shit. <laughs> You go, all oh, right, okay, thanks. And then I think Zach, what he's doing at the moment, so you're thinking, right, you, you can watch it. And I just think, think we do that job that everyone can judge and quite openly judge us to our face. Yes, I know. I know. I know. Which is quite like, No, I don't watch it. It's shite. We, yeah. no, but I, I hate that storyline. I know. Which you would never go to someone, oh, I work in that West Bank. Oh, I hate that bank. <laughs> <laughs> Is that your paintwork? Oh, it's shite. <laughs> yes. Well, listen, Sue, it's been amazing to have you on show one of this. Absolutely. Oh, lovely to And you, and we will, see, we will see each other soon anyway. And, um, I hope so. I hope and, so. And uh, hope you survive the rest of lockdown and don't go too insane. But um, we will speak Take care. soon. Thank you, Sue. Thank you so much to the national treasure that is Sue Johnson for being my first guest on season two of Soap from the Box. What a living legend she is. Remember, this season, we have two episodes every Sunday. The other one this week is with Billy Price from Hollyoaks. And as a special treat, midweek, Catherine Tilsley is going to be taking over the podcast and will be interviewing me. Catch up with me all week on social media at Soap from the Box on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook and YouTube. And I would like to thank David and Eileen Stevens and the Bothy for all their edit and technical wizardry, and Ian McCullum for all of his press help. Without them, this wouldn't be here. So have a safe week and listen to Billy Price and see you next week. (laughs) 